Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville, Mark Ennis. Dave Skull here at the phone lines. They are open 8150-939-3831-939 for the UPS Jobs text line. If you want to hit us up that way, you are welcome uh, to do so as well. Would love uh, to hear from you uh, that way. Texture says, how about Tim Sullivan investigate the real story about Quran or even Pat Forty uh, for that matter? I think the problem is, guys, it really only matters. It's a niche kind of story. Uh, so you're not really going to get a ton of mileage uh, out of it. But, Dave, I, I think the, the picture of him and, what, Mike James at the women's game? Yeah, they're uh, across the court from me. Uh, <laughs> I think you'd have to you have to admit, like, it's an odd situation where, as far as we know, like, let's put all the little, like, the, the, the these things together here, these propositions. As far as we know, he – does not appear to have broken any laws. No, yeah. Um, we we haven't gotten any kind of clarity on from U of L at all on what he's accused to have done. It was at one time, multiple times, maintained that he didn't do anything wrong. Uh, he's not in trouble. According, that's right. He didn't do any, it. Didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Uh, according to Brendan Quinn, basically there was, and I think you agree with me when you read when you read that athletic article and I had him on. I asked about it. He even he thought like I don't. You know, I put what I know in there, and I put what I was told from him, what he told me. But it doesn't make sense that what he reportedly said was to have said to have done is to sort of badmouth the team, and Kenny called him out in front of the whole team for it. And then he's at the games. He's getting good grades. Ahashi Muhammad's out there like, I play basketball karate pretty good. She saw that. He tweeted that a couple uh, couple weeks ago. Uh, and then he's his teammates – have multiple times that they either appeared, you know, with him in places or said in post-game press conferences that they 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 support him, they wish he was back, and all all that sort of thing. For a guy who's like apparently his disciplinary issue was bad mouthing the team, they're big fans of him, right? And I'm not trying to make more out of it than well, no, I think but it was the man is weird. Yeah, the fallout after that, some kind of altercation, I guess. That's what I guess, but it's I think it's a dead issue. I don't really want to. Drag it up too much. It is kind of funny that he's still around. And his, normally and when his stuff teammates ends like this, are there yeah. with him. Normally when stuff ends like this, they don't want it. Like, they're out. They're gone. They're looking for the next step. You know, whatever. Put Louisville in your rear view. But he's hanging around. He's still buddies with all his teammates, and he's still in Louisville. I don't know if he's in school anymore. Do we know that? I don't know. I, I think I've seen some people say, like, when they search the directory, he's not in it. But... Okay. I haven't done that, so... I mean, it would. They're just. They're. It's just odd that he's there, and his for it, it being like the fear of him being like a team morale problem. The team seems to like him. Oh, just to like him, and they're still hanging out with him. But whatever. It's a curiosity at this point. Yeah, that's you a know? good way of saying it. It's just, curiosity because it doesn't matter. There clearly is a data point that we don't have, yeah. and will probably never have, that would make more sense of this. But just what we have, it's weird. It is weird. It's bizarre. It was kind of funny. Uh, I was sitting next to Chrissy and McGavick, and he was just like, well. There he is. There's Karan sitting next to uh, to Mike James. And I was like, oh, yeah. It is, isn't it? 
like, huh, kind of cool. He's going to women's games. That's cool. <laughs> Phone lines, they are open. I am watching video after video here uh, of Buffalo fans Dude. doing their level best to just open up uh, whatever space in their seats that they can. Well, before that, like the, the people paying getting paid $20 an hour, like I saw them trying and just the sheer volume of snow there was there, yeah. they didn't get nearly enough people to even make a dent, really. Because you just saw, I was looking around, like the videos that they were showing, like, man, you have to have like a thousand people in there or more trying to clear snow, and they didn't have that. It was wild. And now they're just, I don't know. It, it doesn't look, it looked worse. Like Saturday was, looked like pretty harrowing, uh, conditions and then sunday honestly looked almost worse you know there was that one idiot from pittsburgh that was walking around downtown buffalo like softest city ever i don't know why they postponed the game and it's like well if you know anything about lake effect snow where you are and 15 miles from you could look extremely different yeah. <laughs> and there's like there are people like responding basically like i'm in orchard park right now and this is what it looks like kevin from pittsburgh uh, I th look. There were a lot of uh, predictable uh, people who did their own research on how weather works, uh, sounding just like you would expect people who did their own research on how weather works. Which is to just say, if the if the uh, the per the politician is somebody I don't like, I'm just going to blame them and their their party for it. Yeah. I mean, the idiot that used to work with us, Spencer Keatsman, the trashing the governor, and like this is something a lib like this. There's a travel ban. Like you can't have eighty thousand people anywhere. Yeah. You wait a day. Chill out. They're going to play the game now. It's, it was The videos that I saw of when they would have played the game, I was like, th it would have been a waste of a football game to try to play yeah. that. At least in Kansas City, it was absurdly cold, but nothing was interfered with. Yeah. You wouldn't have been able to even see it. No, it was silly. It was silly. And we'll see how this one goes. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to make it it's gonna ready like for a professional COVID football games. game. It's going to look like one of the COVID games with all these people spread out. Yeah. Echoes. God, man. Remember we were doing the, the, we're putting the cardboard cutouts in the seats that <laughs> you can see on TV? Yeah. You remember that? Man, I hope we never have to do that. Stuff remember when they the were around. Uh, That's right. And people were paying, like with, with the uh, the bubble tournament, people were paying to have their, mm -hmm. their uh, was it a projection? What was it? I think it was a Zoom call. Were, you like talking about the Zoom it was call? A you Zoom watch the call. game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Of that's people right. in the of people in the stands, like they could pay to do that. And then, in like I think Oakland was the first place that had the uh, we could you could pay to have a cardboard cut out of yourself in the stands, you know, and pay different money for different places to be more more visible. But yeah, dude, it's not. Yeah, like the whole like a uh, soft like dude, whatever. That's that wasn't really. And I'm as much of anybody. Like, let's play football. It's five degrees, whatever. Right. I'm not wearing sleeves. It's fine. Like, come on. That just wasn't. Didn't even make sense. Let's play football. It wasn't safe. That's right. Just you know, whatever. You're not proving a point. You're just making it impossible for anybody to enjoy it. <laughs> I wonder if they're gonna Playing try football. to transpose the, like the graphics. Remember the day for the Pats uh, Jets game right. where they just kept putting the numbers over and people just walk right through the yeah. underneath the numbers. <laughs> that was wild. They kept showing the temperatures like on the field during that Chiefs uh, Dolphins game. There wasn't one person on that field that looked happy to be there. That looked horrible. And I told you that Tyreek Hill was going to go out pregame, yeah. like, you know, sleeveless and whatever, trying to prove that he's tough, and he did it. And then immediately after they, like, saw him in the tunnel, he's just like, I don't know, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and I agree with the uh, texter into the uh, UPS shop's text line. It does not make any sense to me why Buffalo's allowed to build a stadium that doesn't isn't, make any isn't sense, dude. Like, come on, like, man. Uh, there's a limit to the whole home field advantage thing. You know, like there's a lot of the cold weather cities are like, oh, this is how we play football here. Green Bay, you right. know, Chicago, Buffalo, sometimes Pittsburgh, like those different places with outdoor Seattle, stadiums. In a sense. Yeah, yeah. Like there there can be an inherent advantage. Like if Miami has to come up and play in your your building, if Tampa Bay does, whoever, LA, any of those teams. But there's also it's a it's dependent. It's a product at the end of the day. It's a product that people consume, whether it's on TV, which we don't really care about that, um, like how how the, the the conditions are. Except that it makes right. offense maybe a little bit. 
it makes it a little bit less pretty of a game, you know, and, and downfield passing a little harder to do. But in person, it's a hell, it's really hard to get guys in there. It's really hard to get fans to the game. I mean, Kansas City is traditionally one of the hardest tickets to get in professional football, especially in the postseason. And there were still there were tons of empty seats at Arrowhead on uh this weekend and they had the get the get in price was cheaper at Kansas City than it was in any other stadium this weekend. It was like thirty five bucks. Get in price for a playoff game in Kansas City because it was cold as hell. And that's really you saying it. that. Right. That's me saying it. But that's the thing, like you have to balance the retractable roof is the way to go. Where you have to you can take in the elements when you want and it's exactly. reasonable. But like, and this is the thing about that. Well, the only problem with a retractable roof is that if it gets cold at all, people are going to want it to. Well, sure. To be closed, and right. they're like, "Well, that defeats the purpose." Of well, but it's not even true that there's some sort of home field advantage in this. It it's not like this all the time. It's not like this often. It's not as though uh, Buffalo has experience playing in this either. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. no one's played in weather. Like, the Chiefs don't have – there's no home – they were really cold, too. Yeah. It's not like, it's like that, that that's the temperature every day. This is like generate once in a generation uh, weather patterns, and we're like, home field advantage, Buffalo. Like there's, a no, dif- there's a difference between, on. like, where we're playing in 18 degrees yes. in snow and negative – Zero degrees and a foot and a half in, of snow. In, yeah. None of you play in that every time. Right. And that's just a person. Get out thing. there, like remember, like the old cartoons where like the people have like, like tennis rackets on their feet, yeah, for like grip in the snow and stuff like that. <laughs> look like snowshoes. Yes, yeah. that's what we want. The Bills are running out there with like chains on their cleats. That's right. Like that. <laughs> that's what we need. Did you see the um, Kyle Brandt's video with a uh, with a uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson? No, it was pretty great. Uh, talking about. Uh, the tush push or the the, the the brotherly shove. Whether it should be legal or not? Well, yeah, but he was talking about why it was so effective, and basically he was just getting real dirty with the physics and nothing crazy, but basically like, why are you trying to jump over the pile to stop this? You know, oh, you're, they're you're all not, staying moored in the ground. You know, not, and, right? You're not connected to anything. Yeah, it was just cool. Yeah, it was it was it was worth a watch. Yeah, like there was I forget who it was that hit him, but it was one of the funnier things I've ever seen when Joe Flacco went to slide. And the Texans defender hit him and then spun on top of oh, him. Oh, it was amazing. He was, he was basically breakdancing on his back. Yes. It yeah, was he was awesome. the, and like made multiple revolutions like laying on top of yeah. Joe Flacco. It's one of the funniest things. It I've looked ever like seen. he was breakdancing on a cardboard box. It looked like one of those glitches when you play Madden where they just keep spinning. It's like, what's going yes. on here? Yep. Yeah. Texture says, I think teams that have an open air stadium should have to have an open air practice facility. <laughs> like, you're not allowed to escape for practice. That's funny. And then a texture bringing up that Miami should have to build a dome too. There are a lot of fans who will tell you they wish Miami would. Yeah. For that very reason. Uh, that that it's it's always hot or raining. It's why Tampa the the Rays, like they've never They've rarely entertained uh, having a stadium that's not a dome because it rains every freaking day. And you love the Trop. It's your favorite. I do. It's the best stadium in baseball. In terms of prisons, it's way up there. <laughs> I hate that place. Beef Brady's Bow like 09. A, that's the only good thing that ever happened in there. It looks like breaking two electric boogaloo out there with that guy. <laughs> I've never sick. seen anything like that before. It was wild. Uh, a texture did remind us that earlier in the show in calling out some Louisville guys, uh, who had big moments in this er- uh, early round of the NFL playoffs. We did not mention Tutu Atwell uh, uh, having a long touchdown catch. Yeah. Look, he's. I think he's about tapped out at where what he's going to be. He's going to be a part. He's not going to be anybody's number one wide receiver. He's not going to have 100 catches in a year. But he's going to be a great offset and a great uh, weapon to have to take advantage of if you've got guys who demand attention. And they got Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua both. And he's like... Two, say, two, that, two, say that fast. Uh, five that's, once was enough. I went from Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Tutu Outwell. That was pretty like, good. Back to back to back. Lots of vowel sounds there. But like he, he's probably never going to ever face a double team yeah. and run all of his routes against slot corners and safeties. <laughs> and you know what? He's a great guy for that role. And I... I got to eat my words. I really thought he just really had not much of a chance at all in the really? NFL. Just size. I thought it would be such a problem. Uh, and and 
he never struck me as like strong for a guy of his size. And I don't think he necessarily was here, but he has, he has sturdied up uh, and has been a stronger receiver than I thought he would be in the NFL. And I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's made as much as he has out of it. See, I think he's going to have a couple of, a thousand yard receiving years as a third option. And some team like uh, the Jets is going to misunderstand why he's valuable and pay him to be their number one. Yes, and that's he's right. going to fall on his face. No. no, Tutu's a great receiver, but like you said, he's not overly physically strong. Uh, but he can make you pay, especially if you single him with your third receiver so or third corner. So that that's the type of thing that I think he's going to make a great career out of that. And he'll probably be in the league for 12 or 13 years doing that. Yeah, because he's not, it's not like he's getting killed. No, he doesn't rely on his physicality. Yep. I don't think, like, uh, barring, you know, the non-contact freak injuries, like, he should be pretty durable, you know, because he's not, not going to be super hard on his body. Uh, and hopefully he can make a, a long career. He's a talented dude who can make you pay, especially when there's other receiving options out there that you have to pay more attention to. Well, And I, I do love that he got drafted by and plays in an offense by a guy who's, who's creative, who's flexible in what they do offensively really makes use of his skill set. You know, I would hate to see him just sort of shoehorn into some crappy offense somewhere. The commanders are going to are gonna give him more money to be like a premier receiver, and it's gonna it's not going to work out right. at some point for multiple reasons. And I, I, I'll eat my own words here uh, again. I, I think I said m- a million times I really thought Despis Patrick would have a better, yeah. more consistent NFL career, and maybe he'll resurrect things with the Steelers. Uh, but – I was wrong about that. Yeah, he's he's just kind of in a vacillating between the active roster and the the practice squad, spending more time on the practice squad. He's got the physicality like you would expect him to, and I always thought he had the hands to be an NFL receiver. And maybe he hits it at some point, but no, like two two. As long as he he makes uh, wise decisions on who he signs with and who he plays with, I think he's going to have a long and fruitful career. Because he, like I said, he can make you pay, especially when you put the third corner on him. 8150-939, that's the number if you'd like to get in here. Texture said the best tweet of the weekend was, did we cancel D-Day because of weather? No, play the game, when in reality we did cancel D-Day because of weather multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of the biggest factors on when they did it and right. why. One of the best community notes I've seen in quite some time. There's always a, there's always a good one in like a week, but that one was just like set me back for a, a second. Twitter's got uh, not that Elon is a bright guy or anything, but Twitter's got a real issue with ads and community notes. Yeah, they don't police them like at all. So there are all these paid ads, and then the community notes are this is trash. Yeah, this, this is game a scam. This right? is not the gameplay for this game that they're advertising here. It's yeah. like what? Yeah, this is not that game. This is a fake ad. Also, there's just a ton of porn in your responses. Oh, that's also the case. Not like Jason Whitlock, but. No, 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 no. Like actual, like uh, if you if you click on any, it's actual accounts. Yes. That are it's not targeted ads. It's actual accounts that are responding to people. And anytime you look at any big thread on on X or Twitter, like without a doubt, there's going to be five or six different blurred, you know, pictures responding with their OnlyFans. Eighty-one fifty ninety-three nine. That's uh, the number if you want to get in here. Thirty-eight thirty-one. 93.9 for the UPS jobs text line. NSFW. That way. Uh, Texas said he'd love to see 2 2 play uh, for Miami. Yeah. I, that would be an interesting match. That's another place that I, yeah, of course. The, the, how how much faster can you possibly make one wide receiver corner <laughs> if you were to put 2 2 on that? Right. Not, that wouldn't be fair at all. Uh, but all guys that you'd be like, oh man, they break every time someone tackles them. Yeah. No, it, this is the thing. There was a lot of conversations about, and I don't know if it was fair after Miami, Kansas City, and those conditions, but a ton of the has, you know, to a maxed out at Miami, is he the right guy? Blah, blah, blah. I think that that's probably the wrong game to try to to draw. Yeah, it was pretty artificial. Right. Big, right. Uh, uh, like, macro conclusions from. But he really did look pretty bad and like he was thrown behind everybody there was a lot of floaters really throw the ball downfield at all he didn't he couldn't push it at all and his and his short throws were inaccurate but again like i don't know how much you can you can draw broad conclusions from that type of game for the most part he was really good at mcdaniel's offense this year but when that kind of stuff doesn't work people start having big when with games like that they start having these big you know uh wide-ranging discussions about mcdaniel in general and like oh is this 
is this a you know is this a fluky you know is it is it is it something that can last does it have staying power and I don't know. I think it's a little unfair after a game like that. Well, I had read, and I don't know if it was true or not, that they didn't practice in cold weather at all this past week, which if that's true, that's an indictment on that's McDaniel. Weird. It's like you know you're going to be playing in these – like you have to like travel up there and get you know acclimate to the temperature. Like If that's true, that's more indictment on McDaniel. But, yeah, to, to his points, like he's been a fine quarterback, but I think he also benefits from having you know Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and then having two of the fastest running backs in A-Chain and Mostert. Without a doubt, no, he he he's but he's really good in that system, and it's fair to ask: Is he a system quarterback? But it doesn't really matter if you're running that system. It doesn't really matter if we're talking about how good of a quarterback he is, as long as he's helping max out that offense. But there's no doubt about it; he has an embarrassment of weapons. He also has, to me, severe limitations. He does. does. He does. Uh, if it's, he's one of those guys. I think a little bit like Brock Purdy in this way. If it's not perfect. He's really not much help. Right. And you you add to it, you don't really want him to freelance because he doesn't have a rocket arm like at all. And you don't want him to run because you're deathly afraid of every single time he gets hit that he's he's going to be concussed. And I'm not I'm not in any way trying to give him a hard time for that, but it is miraculous he made it through a whole season with no injury issues given what we've seen out of him so far. But I really felt like last night, like the, the weather just made it to where he just wasn't a thing. Not at all. Yeah. Or and that's, and obviously that is a consideration because Kansas city and, and Buffalo aren't going anywhere at the top of the AFC. So the odds are on a regular basis, you're going to have to play road games in really adverse weather conditions in the playoffs. I mean, Casey and Buffalo are going to be top four seeds probably for the next five to six years at least, if not longer. I mean, if they end up having Mahomes and Allen as their quarterbacks for the rest of their careers, you're looking at at least a decade from each of them hosting playoff games most years, right? I mean, pretty much. We've seen that Mahomes hosted a playoff game without having, I mean, having like one, one good receiver. Really one good receiver and a tight end. He's got limitations on his weapons. But, yeah, like Tua, I think you're, you're right. He's not somebody who, who's going to go out and win games for you, but he's effective in this offense. And I think he played really well for most of the season. But once that the structure breaks down, I don't think he's somebody that's going to go out and be a plus, you know, outside of the structures of this offense. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to be able to improvise. He's not going to be able to th- – to toss the ball 65 yards downfield. You know, he's not going to be uh, out there Picasso painting his masterpiece. You know, he's just – he's going to be a paint-by-numbers guy. You know, like you give him it all set out for him perfectly and give him the watercolors and he's going to hit – all the ones are going to be blue and all the all the twos yeah. are going to be red. Yeah, At the end, it's right. going to look good, you know. But if you're like, here's a blank canvas and here's some paints, I don't know if it's going to end up looking pretty good at the end of the day. 81 50, That's uh, the number if you want to get in here. We're getting close uh, to kickoff of the Steelers and Bills. I think mm. everyone getting a kickoff or a kick out of the fact that uh, Bill Coward did pick the Steelers to win this game. No, I, I, nothing would surprise me. No. And him finding a way to junk up a game and win a 12 to 10 or something. Absolutely oh, yeah. nothing would shock me. And Buffalo, like Josh Allen is prone to mistakes. Josh Allen will throw it to the other team. Yeah. For sure. He's a hell of a quarterback who is mistake prone. So if they try, but he's also has the ability to be their primary running running back. Frankly, if they need they need him to be, and in these conditions, they might need that. Uh, so I think it's going to be kind of a a question of of which team is going to adjust to this better, which team is more suited for it. It's not as big of an adjustment for the Steelers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to junk up that game, like you said. Um, it's going to be Steve, interesting. We are asking basically the Steelers to. To play their own yeah. brand of football anyway. Go be the Steelers. Yeah. Go be yeah. the Steelers at the Bills. Yeah. That's their only way to win. Maybe we should put together a, a, a show bet on this a little parlay. No, I'm not picking them to win. I'm just talking about you don't have to pick any like you don't have to pick anybody. You want to do one five minutes for a kickoff? I do. 
Maybe yeah. I'll just put my own parlay together. That's how guys. much Dave likes parlays. Oh, I love them. Like, Let's do a oh, thoughtless one. I've had <laughs> thoughtless. I've thought about this all weekend. Dude, I love parlays. I had two parlays. I missed by like one or two legs yesterday and it ruined well, people, my Sunday. <laughs> people think it's like if you say parlay, it's a five or six leg thing every time. No. I do a lot of two or three leg parlays just to to have a little profit boost. You know, like if I feel really good about two bets, why not put them together? Same. See, I get sucked into those like can, no sweat bets and just keep one. doing too many no sweat bets. I'm like, oh, let me go ridiculous here, like ten legs, no sweat. It's like, well, that was dumb, <laughs> but I get this free bet back. <laughs> well, think of it this way: if I feel good about two different bets, equally amount, e- equally good about two different bets. So I, I want to put, say, uh, you know, we're talking units with gamblers. Say you're a twenty-five dollar unit gambler. You're like, well, I feel really good about both of these. I'm gonna put. Five units on both. $125 on each. If you hit one and you miss one, you're right where you started. Maybe you lost a little bit of money because the return wasn't wasn't one-to-one. It's like minus 110 or something, right? If I just parlayed them, I'm either going to lose that money or I'm going to win much more. It's just a matter of you're either breaking even if you do that or you're you're winning a lot more if you hit both. I just... just, there's got to be something in it for me, especially since I'm not a fifty or hundred dollar unit gambler. You know, most of my bets are twenty five, thirty dollars. Now I'm seeing a bunch of tweets about this, and I don't know if it really is the case or not. But there are several that are saying the Buffalo has basically announced there's no assigned seats. Just like whatever you basically you can kill what you eat, yeah. or eat what you kill. Like you just whatever you can clear off, you can sit there. Like I like kill what you eat. I don't kill know. what you eat is even. I don't better. know how that works. Yeah, I feel not. bad for the people that paid like you know a lot of money, expecting like you know front row seats versus like you know people that pay for like the cheap yeah. sh- seats up top, and they're like, oh, so wherever it you want can't to pay. Be. That place looks full. It's Buffalo. I'm of course it's full. I know. I deserve that. I guess for being shocked by that. Look, the field looks great. What else is there doing Buffalo? Is their field heated? No, it's part it's of the not? renovation okay. options, but no, Kansas City's was. Yeah. I, I I knew at least one of the fields was. Well, see, that's one I thought. Okay, it just seems like you should. <laughs> it just seems like you should have heated seats or heated heated field in those type of environments just to make it easier to clear the field and to keep it clear. Especially in Buffalo, Tampa Bay heated field not needed. Not needed. No, I'm just talking about cold weather places. Uh, Tampa, maybe you can have a cooled field. I did like that they uh, before we take a quick break uh, that the NFL sent notices. To every every team, do not put the footballs in front of the heater. Yeah, do not put the footballs in the heater. Do not put them in anything. You're not allowed to heat up the football even if you're cold. It's funny that they still do that sort of thing. Brady. I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah, Spencer. Do you have anything to to add to that? No comment. That's what I thought. He's on to the next game. Cheetah. We're on All his right, rod quick. That's right. <laughs> you are on a Gerard Mayo already. All right, let's take a, a quick break here, uh, and we'll talk about Louisville staying active football-wise uh, in the portal, cl- uh, finishing up what looks to be the the best transfer recruiting class in the country right now, uh, and shoring up a position where they had lost uh, a potential transfer. And it's going to be hard to contain everyone's, I think, excitement again uh, for next season. So we'll talk about that on the other side here. We'll take your calls, your texts here on the drive on our Thunderville. Be right back. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. 
Now, here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Bill. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull here. The phone lines are open, 8150-939. Hope you are warm. Hope you are enjoying a holiday uh, honoring Martin Luther King, and we hope that you still are someone interested in doing that, as you should be. Uh, the phone lines, again, they are open. This NFL playoff game has started in Buffalo. If they don't look like they are in hell, you would not believe that there is some sort of a massive snowstorm that has just pounded the area. They have done a good job getting the field cleared off, uh, and the stands are largely full. Uh, and we are watching Mason Rudolph play playoff football, just like we all thought it would be, Dave. Uh, yeah, Mason Rudolph, uh, elite, elite player. Uh, it's it's wild to me that 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 we're still like in the year twenty twenty four. I'm watching Mason Rudolph play football in the playoffs. This would be one of the funnier sure. upsets in terms of just quarterback play. Mason Rudolph over Josh Allen, and you had Nick Foles jokes and gum flying. I'm welcoming those right now. But this would be one of the funnier quarterback upsets I would say in recent memory. Well, uh, it's starting. Well, so far, Pittsburgh <laughs> Good for is Pittsburgh. Uh, a minute into it. They're hanging in there, uh, at least uh, right now. I got a couple of first downs, and that's always good. String together a couple of first downs. That uh, they, These things tend to snowball. Uh, Dave, we, we talked about uh, Tanner Cozio decommitting, going yeah. back uh, to the MAC uh, as a tight end uh, for Louisville, but they have done a good job with tight end, uh, even without him, with, uh, with Mark Redman. And you have with Dylan Mesmer, uh, the four-star kid that's coming in as well. Uh, and, I, and I think Isaiah Cummings, too, sort of, you know, as a the in-between. I think you could throw of. him in that basket, not as a full-time tight end, but as a weapon that is yeah. going to be used sometimes as a tight end, as a H-back, and that kind of thing. And, and that's been uh, – and then they had Tanner Cozio's like all-Mac player uh, that was committed and then went back. Uh, and so for Louisville, uh, there was a feeling, hey, if they could find one more good tight end, uh, that would be great. Uh, and they were able to do so uh, over the weekend. And this is where I think Louisville, not, I don't think they're assuming that they've got to, like, he's got to be out there on the field uh, from day one, snap one, to where you're like, you're counting on him. And uh, this is either going to work or it's not with him. Uh, but this was uh, a tight end from Miami, Jalil Skinner. Uh, who was a top 100 kid out of high school in the Big class of 2022 uh, out of Bradenton, uh, the Bradenton area in Florida, 6'5", uh, about 220 now uh, after a couple of years on campus at Miami. Uh, what was uh, you know a very highly rated kid out of high school, was the number four tight end in the country mm-hmm. out of high school, didn't play a lot early in, that, uh, in his career there at Miami, and Louisville going to bring him in with a couple of years left. Uh, and hope that they can unlock him. I, this is one of those where, like, if he was the only guy they were bringing in, I would be concerned, you know, about uh, counting on somebody who hadn't mm-hmm. been more productive early on at a place like Miami. But having other guys there, and also, of course, having Jamar Johnson back for yeah. year two, Lord willing, uh, that you've you've got enough to work with there, to where that position, I feel like that team, that position could be a strength, not out of this world and but like it doesn't have to just be tread water there like i i like what they're working with at that spot well i think that's what they're working towards you know is it being a strength and that's what we're that's what our short-term history with 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 jeff brom here just as a head coach obviously a long history but his, his short history as a head coach that's what he seems to to strive to do with positions that have been a little thin or have been perceived as weaknesses they don't just make them adequate they don't just bring them to par. You know, yeah. they tend to almost overcompensate, which is a good thing. You can never have enough. Yeah. Good players at a position. They did it with the offensive line last year. They did it with receiver. Um, I think this is what they're doing with tight end, you know, is that they're they want to make sure that this is a big part of their offense next year because that's what we all expected. I mean, the use of the tight end has always been paramount in, in Jeff's offense. It's always been a big part of it, and I feel like it was that last little piece that maybe was holding us back at times last year. You know, was a, was a really effective tight end, especially in the red zone. Yeah, you would think in constructing an offense, if you were going to be as run-oriented as they were and as play-action-oriented as they were, yeah, being able to have tight ends that were receiving threats 
really would have brought a, a different avenue mm-hmm. uh, to the offense. And I think a way of compressing the field but then getting over the top of it, which they disappeared down the stretch, you know, being able to get over the top of yeah uh, of defenses, especially as Jamari Thrash was increasingly limited. There really wasn't very – That was really such a big part of it. Yeah, there, but there weren't very big uh, receivers. You know, Chris Bell occasionally – you know, Huggins and Bruce had the one against Virginia, but there just wasn't a lot. Kevin Coleman was catch and run that mm. long, or wasn't that goes behind it. Uh, I agree with you. Jeffs has shown us now, I think, in, in two off seasons, that they're not just going to make positions adequate. They're going to try and make sure that they are stocked uh, there. Uh, and that should be quite the uh, – I wonder how – that should be quite the, the room, you know, of tight ends both now and for the future uh, with, with Jamar Johnson as a – Second year guy and Redmond coming in, Red, uh, and then you've got the Mesmer kid as a four star kid coming in. They don't have to rush any of them, but like you should be able to have, like, you got four guys there. I wonder if he's looking at this like, I need to be able to pivot if these receivers don't work out like this year did, right? Like, at least having it in as an option to, if we need to start clamping down here and maybe go in the direction of the way this year's offense went if we do that again i'm not going to be bereft of weapons if we have to sort of become a little bit more run heavy and tight end heavy see i thought it's not the discard like i thought kritsky did a pretty good job down the stretch you know and, and he turned into a somewhat of a threat but we see redmond and and skinner they're big guys you know skinner's not like a not a heavy guy, but he's six five. You know, he's a rangy dude who can, who's obviously a talented receiver. He wasn't involved this year at Miami really much, um, but Redman is 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 a big guy as well, six six. You know, um, I feel like that's a different level of tight end if you can get guys like that who can who can catch the ball and and be just integral parts of the offense. Like that's in modern football. I mean, think about the really good. Offenses and tight end and pro. I mean, and the, or the big difference that an elite tight end or active tight ends can do for your offense. I mean, uh, a guy like George Kittle or Travis Kelsey um, in college, Brock Bowers. You know, guys like that. They're they're really the modern kind of X factor in in, in offenses to me, where you've got big physical dudes who catch like a receiver and block like a lineman. Um, the ultimate form of, of the tight end ever since Gronk, you know, like it's kind of been this, this next level. Yeah. And I think that's where, um, and Jeff's always been a big believer in, in the tight end anyway. I mean, my, the routes I used to just bemoan that we didn't have in the Satterfield era, or frankly, in the Petrino 2.0 was just that tight end drag, you know, that against all, action and motion where you've got everything going to the right and that tight end just creeps out and drags across the action and they're open like 90% of the time. And that's one of those signature plays out of Petrino 1.0 and Jeff Brom that I always just covet and wait for. <laughs> that and like the little uh, tight end slip screens. I just love them. Um, but they can also be such a weapon in, in the red zone. Uh, and it was what I missed more than anything this year was just having – and what I wanted – what I thought maybe Jamari Johnson could do for us, and I still think he can do possibly in year two with a, an offseason of body transformation. Like, this is this is what I'm excited about. And I think Skinner is nothing but an upside play. I mean, the guy was incredibly talented coming out of high school, and it just didn't quite work out under – you know, uh, uh, in Miami – um, under a couple of different offenses, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like this year. With Jamari Johnson in your mind, is it is this like make or break in terms of like what you're going to be as a year two on college campus? Look, I may be the only one in the world who feels like he just has a future as George Fant. Like that's that is exactly who I think of. Uh, but he's. But I don't want that to happen. I just feel like that's where it's going. If you could get a guy that big in peak physical condition and and moving and as athletic as it obviously appears that he is, like that is not fair. It's just also really rare. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand why you think that way. And I don't think you're – I mean, it's not – I don't think you're off base. I just think that I, – I know what he did in high school as a receiver, and I think that he – 
as a receiving tight end. I just think that he's – when you have a guy who's that big, I look at it the other way. If you have a guy who's that big, who has that type of ability, that, man, you try to try to keep him there if you can. You know, they don't come around that often, dudes that are that big that can catch the football. So I think that you give him an off season to get in shape, he could be a really good – tight end going forward and I don't think it's necessarily a make or break for him but from his eyes he might look at it as if I can't break into the lineup next year then I might look elsewhere and I helped out but that's always have to have, uh, you have to think about it with the transfer portal you know you can't think you can't make decisions personnel wise because of that but that's what in the back of my mind that's always how I'm thinking of these kids like man if if he can't break in this year if he doesn't get adequate playing time this year does he look elsewhere you know and honestly, okay, so I, just be realistic here as a an observer of college football as it exists now. If you're Louisville and you're through a couple of years and he's not much of a factor, don't you kind of also want him to look around too? Possibly, sure, but we're not quite there yet. You know, I don't even want to like. Right, I'm not writing him. I'm just saying, speculate like, just because he's so young. That, well, isn't that most team? Isn't yeah. that going to be the approach at most places now? Where it's like you, you're for sure. No one's gonna wait around for a, for a guy in his fifth year to figure it out. Oh right? no, you're gonna want that dude to go ahead and go somewhere else. No, it goes from both sides. Absolutely, yeah. like the 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 coaches, the team, and the players are both. If you're not making, like at most by year three, if you're not on the field, and really probably by the end of year two, but by year three, if you're not in the mix going into the season, I think it behooves both parties to look elsewhere. And you know, like this year, I think the average rating. I was listening to, to Drew and Mark this morning. I think the average rating of our twenty departures in the transfer portal is a sixty-three. Yeah. So I have it pulled up here. Yeah. On on three, one they have Louisville as the number one recruiting class, and I think Louisville's instructive because you have twenty-two at in, twenty-one out, and on a, a, a scale of a hundred, the twenty-one that are leaving, their average rating is sixty-three point nine. But the average rating coming in is 78.6. Right. So it's a significant upgrade, but equal in numbers, and the Bills went right down the field. Yeah, they did. And scored, so it might be a long day for the old Steelers. But it, it is, it's a significant roster upgrade. It's not just filling needs. The talent level is improved. Yeah. yeah and that's what you want out of that transfer portal. Like, it's it serves two purposes. You know, like you're – like we've always said, water finds its level. You know, like these kids that, you know, like a, a Joshua Black who just wasn't really breaking into the rotation and we keep recruiting kids from high school and from the transfer portal that are coming in ahead of you. You know, I mean, Pete Nigra, um, Vince, who's the, the offensive lineman from Ohio State, which I am blanking on right now. It'll... Oh, yeah. on the uh, the one he, well, he was a one year guy he is. that had transferred to Ohio State uh, from what Louisiana Tech, mm-hmm. right? He's an uh, interior lineman, and I'm just blanking on. It. I have I've been watching him. Well, all weekend. it's not easy to keep up with all these uh, names. Anyway, Victor, Victor Cutler. Thank you. I knew it was a V. Uh, Victor Cutler, like guys like that, like Victor Cutler is is a utility lineman. But he's got high major experience. He's got Big Ten experience. He's been in college for four years already. He's transferring again. He probably slots in right in front of Josh Black immediately. Yeah. You know? And and you've already got Austin Collins sitting there. You've got Michael Gonzalez. We'll see if uh, Renato Brown slots in next year. Like, you've got a lot of guys in the interior line. If you're Josh Black... And you want to play before you graduate. Significant minutes. He was a second teamer this year. He didn't get a lot of time. Didn't get a lot of snaps. If you envision yourself as a starter, why would you stick around in Louisville, waiting for people to get hurt? Which that's not that's no way to live. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? Right. Um, so it, it serves the purpose of of guys leaving and freeing up scholarships, and you can upgrade at every position. In theory, not every guy that leaves is somebody you want to leave, but the vast majority are guys that aren't going to see the field next year if you use the transfer portal properly anyway. It does look interestingly like the ACC is like, we're going to claim the portal. 
Yeah. I can't get the high school kids like the Big Ten and the SEC do. So I'm looking at on three, their top ten or their, their ranked recruiting classes. Louisville is one. Florida State is four. Cal, which, God, that's going to take some getting used to, is Welcome. six. NC State is seven. Syracuse is 11. SMU is 14. So that was what, six of the top 14 were yeah. our ACC schools? But doesn't it make sense? Boston College is 16. Doesn't it make sense? It's it's another it's a it's a different market, but it is a way I think for ACC teams in the short term. Yeah, it's their best chance I think to try and compete uh, with what is going to be an ever growing perception problem, you know, and recruiting and budget and talent and exposure problem with those two leagues. It's not that whole thing is not going anywhere anytime soon. No, I, I Pitt is nineteen. I mean half the. Uh, the top 20 on Elm 3 is, is ACC schools, and good. It totally makes sense to me. Like We talk often about aspiring programs, reaching programs, how a lot of the ACC is middle class who aspire to be more. You know, a lot of a lot of these peer programs, and some that we don't see as peers, maybe below us. But this is the, the best way for all of them, save Clemson and Florida State, and Florida State's top five in the transfer portal. But, like, Clemson and Florida State, and maybe North Carolina, but really those two are the only ones that consistently get top 10 to 15 type classes. North Carolina sometimes gets a top 20 class. But outside of them, everybody else is like at best a borderline top 25 of their best years recruiting, right? And that's not going to change. But one of the great things is all of those schools that, that spend NIL and they spend all that effort recruiting these freshmen and recruiting these kids out of high school – not all of them can prioritize both high school recruiting and the portal equally. So there's a chance for you to pick up guys that are that are are they, and not even only that they don't have as many roster spots. But at that point, you can pick up guys that are that are uh, on the depth chart at Alabama. They're on the roster at Georgia. They're at LSU. They're at all these places, and they're not happy with the playing time they're getting. They're not happy with the fit. Or they're not happy with the money they're getting. There's all different reasons why they would leave those places. And if you can tailor yourself as a an elite transfer destination, which Louisville obviously already has, between uh, Jeff Brom and the vision he's selling and the NIL that we're peddling. I mean, we're stealing guys from Tennessee. We're flipping recruits from Ole Miss and Minnesota in this class. Like We're getting all different kinds. Of, we're getting kids that are outperforming their level at group of five schools. With a Colin Lacey, or last year Mari Thrash, we're getting those kids, and we're also getting kids like Jacory Brooks, that got a little bit lost in the shovel because of a, he was already performing at Alabama. He was the top, injuries really. Yeah, he he had eight touchdowns yeah. at Alabama the year before last, but got lost in the shuffle a little bit this year because of injuries. So he's uncertain about his future there. So he transfers to a place that has an attractive passing game, and a coach who has a track record of putting receivers in the NFL. And then you look at other places like uh, McCullough, you know, from from uh, from Oklahoma. You got four star recruits that maybe didn't find their footing where they are right now, and are looking for a fresh start. But they clearly have a lot of raw uh, ability and talent. You know, there's just all different profiles of players that you can get in the portal. And a lot of people look at it as mercenaries. Whatever these guys aren't necessarily one-year players, like I said last week. Yeah, Skinner's m multiple years. What's that? Skinner, for instance, is multiple. Yeah, years. he's only been in in college for two years. McCullough's only been in college for a year. Like, there's a lot of guys that can come in and play for three or four seasons, two, three, four seasons, and that's like it's 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 been more of an equalizer. Like, obviously. When the transfer portal was brought up, a lot of people looked at it as, oh, it's just going to be a way for, for Alabama and Georgia to further poach the most talented kids from all these other programs. And it just can't always work out that way because there's only so many snaps to go around. So they may want to, but the vision from a kid at a Louisville or a Cincinnati or an Oklahoma State or whatever might be different you know, than what they have in mind for them at Alabama or, or, or Georgia or LSU or Texas, like if you can't sell them playing time and a, and a path to the pros um, and, you know, uh, glory, why don't they just make more money if you don't have the NIL for them that's being given to these five stars out of high school or the uh, the starting wide receivers that you already have coming back that you had to spend money on them there too? Why don't they get make a little bit more money, go to Louisville or stay at Louisville 
have a bigger stage because they get more. Yeah. Let me just say a bigger stage, but a, a better chance to to uh, showcase themselves because they get more snaps and they get more targets or anything else. Like it's just every single recruit's different, and their needs and their wants are different, and what they prioritize. So especially people that have been in college for a couple of years, they know what they want much more than freshmen coming out of high school. Well, and, and I I like this group in particular for them still taking their shots with. Uh, guys at other play like from the Mac or Colin Lacey from South Alabama, stuff like that. Although Penny Boom was four star kid and went to Maryland, yeah, right out of high school, but still he was a well known entity. But then when you look uh, at the rest of we're talking about Jacory Brooks from Alabama and Jalil Skinner from Miami and Dave McCullough's from Oklahoma and uh, Cheney's from from Miami, uh, Wesley Walker and uh, McDonald are from Tennessee. Isaiah Cummings from from Kentucky. Holloway's from from North Carolina. Victor Color was. What Louisiana Monroe or Louisiana Tech, yeah. one of the two, and then went to Ohio State, and then leaves that. Like every one of these Phil guys Moss has played Texas Tech, you know. Yeah, right. All these guys have all played and been practicing in, and just sort of already in what we're talking about here, uh, th- this level of football, and should be able to help right away. Yeah, and I, I really, an I elite just, like Pete Niger that played at smaller schools, right? And I want them because Louisville's always going to have to sort of uh, beat the market with those kinds of guys. Mm-hmm. You know, pick your spots, but be right about it with those guys, and then do what you're doing uh, here. There, I mean, there's an article on on 3 today about how Louisville's like the kings of the portal for, for back-to-back years. And, you're damn right. And, and I really feel like in some places, this year's group fits what Jeff likes to do even more. Uh, like last year was like, Let's uh, foundation lay, and this is like all right. Let's take a, a step forward. Yeah. I feel like the offense should be more dangerous next year. Is that based on what they've been able to bring in? Oh, I think so. I really like the um, complimentary nature of Jacory Brooks and Colin Lacey. You know, and I love what they're doing with the tight end position. I mean, they got two good running backs. One, I can't wait to watch Penny Boone. Same. I think he's going to be everybody amazing. loves a fat running back. What's up? Everybody loves a fat running back. Oh yeah, I mean, give. I love a bowling ball. Yep. There's nothing like it. Um, but we've also got guys that can that can flat out run back there too. So it's, I think it all fits together well. I'm I'm still kind of. I like what they brought in on the offensive line. I'm really curious to see who steps up where and where it all fits, because I think we had a little surprise last year with pushing, you know, Michael Gonzalez and Ronaldo Brown both inside. Yeah. Um. It's going to be interesting, and the fact that they just keep bringing in these gigantic tackles. I love it. All right. One more hour to go here. We'll take a quick break. Come right back on the job on Thunderbolt. 